the fans and the best fans coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. Eighty-four lumber, giving you the Mark Madden show in the four o'clock hour. Eighty-four lumber, helping you build the right way since nineteen fifty-six. 1956, the first year Esteban Loaiza started selling cocaine. Little known fact. Oh, yeah, we're going to get back into that with Bob when he joins us at the top of the hour here, top of the 5 o'clock hour. Mike Lang between now and then to talk Penguins. We'll get Mike in on this Sidney Crosby, Mario Lemieux conversation. Also, we'll introduce some football when it comes to Art Rooney's comments about the Pittsburgh Steelers. But if you're just getting your car and tuning in, I want to get some phone calls as it relates to Sid versus Mario and the topic that I posed before. Is it heresy to say that at some point in his career, Sidney Crosby could, in fact, surpass Mario Lemieux in terms of all-time all time on-ice greatness? Not saving the franchise. Well, Sid, Sid kind of did that once, too. Uh, not in terms of ambassadorship and royalty like Mario is. I'm just talking about on the ice. Could that ever happen Sidney Crosby passing Mario Lemieux in your eyes right now, based on the numbers that I put out there? It's a 50-50 race between Sid and Mario. 412-333-9939. Let's get to Kevin, who's calling from his car phone. Hi, Kevin. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Kevin. How you doing? Good. I, I just don't see it happening. The sheer numbers alone for Mario are just staggering. You know, 199 points in a season, hat tricks, 40 of them. Sidney could play for another 10 years and still not catch him in numbers. And after they're both done playing, what people look at numbers first. They don't look at, well... I remember Will they look at numbers or they play. look at championships first? Numbers. You still look at Marino's numbers over, you know, some of these other quarterbacks that got championships. No, it's I just, don't, actually. I, I look at Brady and Montana before I look at Marino. I mean, I actually think that the Marino-Mario analogy, aside from the rings, is uh, germane to this discussion, though, because you're talking about Marino in terms of pure talent level. You're talking about Marino in terms of wow factor with what he could do with his arm, right? That's where you're coming from? Seen, yeah, Lemieux on the ice was phenomenal. I'm talking, it made it look effortless, just every night. You know, just, he just seems, I've watched them both play. Crosby's incredible. Don't get me wrong. He's the workhorse. He goes, he grinds, he does. Lemieux just seemed like great on ice. He's just incredible to watch. Yeah, and that um, will be a hurdle if uh, people want to make this argument for Crosby that a lot of folks just can't overcome because the nature by which Sid has scored so many of his goals was less about beauty and more about grind and worth it, work ethic, right? Right. So that part, and thanks for the call, Kevin, is something aesthetically, I'll keep using that word, something that can't be defeated by those who want to advance Crosby's case in this, but like I said, the sheer numbers that you point out if Sid were to play for three more years beyond Mario, which is probably what it would take to hit 600 goals and 1,500 points, you've got to understand that the numbers are skewed based on the era. It's sort of like comparing one guard to another in basketball with or without the three-point line. You know, if you're going to talk about pure point totals, even in points per game, it's skewed based on the era in which the two guys played, particularly in Mario's early stages of his career. Jeremy is calling from his car. Hi, Jeremy. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 oh, The X. Oh, sorry. I just want to say, I think if Sidney Crosby didn't have all those injuries in Boston games, he would be much closer to catching uh, Lemieux for on-ice total. 
But the, uh, if you he did, the but Lemieux also had the back and, you know, the whole cancer thing and the retirement for a couple of years. Yes. It's still, if you take it into the context of the area of the game played as well, it was much different back then. But I think if you put that into context, he it will certainly surp- or come close to surpassing Lemieux for on ice. And again, that's the crucial part of this discussion here because... You know, a lot of people are just going to associate Mario with the fact that if he wasn't here, then Sid never would have been a penguin and can't dissolve that part of the conversation. I know it's hard. I'm asking you to do it, though. And like I keep saying, where the Steeler parallel comes to this is in terms of era with Bradshaw and Ben. You can't, based on any metric, try to make it look like you can hash out a way for Bradshaw's numbers to equal Ben's. That's like... Higher, higher level uh, Harvard rocket science math to come up with some sort of variable to make a match based on era. And even if you did, then you could probably walk away saying Ben was the better quarterback. But it's easier to make that new guy, the new era, modern era guy, it's easier to advance the argument for Ben over Bradshaw than it is Sidney over Lemieux because that extra 10 years means something in terms of the eye test, the... Uh, the look test that we talked about before with that first caller and the beauty with which, the grace with which, the majesty with which Mario played the game. And Sid has a lot of that too, to be sure. But there's more subtlety. There's more grind. There's more uh, within the hash marks and down low from Crosby's game than there was from even Mario's to get to the point totals that they have. Tony is calling from Johnstown next. Go ahead, Tony. Uh, Hey, Tim, how are you doing today? Good. Good. Hey, I was listening with interest in this discussion, and I'm 72 years of age. I, I mean, I've seen both eras, and I've seen it live, I've seen it on television. I would be hard to compare them based on something you just said. I mean, I think the league now is so different, and I think that the depth in both numbers of teams and caliber of player on the teams is different. It's not anyone's fault. I mean, in Mario's day, there were some outstanding players. But now I just think it's almost a little bit different of a game. Yeah, it's a very different game. Uh, Just like we talked about in basketball and football, and I'm sure when you talk about, well, at least in the steroid era versus the non-steroid era, the juice ball era versus the dead ball era, like back in the 20s before Ruth turned things around, you know, you're going to have to factor that all in when you talk about greats from one part of history versus the modern day. Um, like, are you saying then, though, that the game is so different now? You've got to give Crosby more points because of the way it's played and what he's done under the circumstances. Is that your suggestion? No, no, I don't. Not at all. I just think it's almost like apples and oranges. I just think they were both phenomenal for the way the game was when they played or are playing. As as was you know as was Gretzky and Ovechkin. I mean, it's just it's a different game. I think. I just think, and some of the rules have changed also. So you answer the question then. If I said to you 600 points, sorry, 600 goals for Sid and uh, another Conn Smythe, maybe another cup or two, does he pass Lemieux? Eh, 1,500 points, somewhere in that neighborhood. Does he pass Lemieux with that being the case, with that being your optics? Um, you know, I'd say then, then I would consider them a parallel. I, it'd be really hard for me to say one is better than the other. And I know that doesn't answer your question. I don't think anybody can answer that question. All right, thanks for the call, Tony. I could. I think if he gets those numbers, I would vote for Sid in that circumstance, but that's very lofty. And again, like, just do the math here with me for a second. If you take Sid's averages, he's got to play six more years at those averages to get there. And 
I don't know if he can. I don't know if he wants to. But, you know, 36 for a player as good as Sid who could still do things remarkably well even if the speed did dip, even if the athleticism did dip. I don't rule it out. I really don't. Chris calling from Washington. Hi, Chris. What's going on, man? Chris, is this Washington, PA, or Washington, D.C., just so I know if you're a Caps fan chiming in on this? Washington, PA. Okay. Not like Mario doesn't have his Caps haters amongst him, too, after what he did to them over the years, but go ahead. <laughs> he owns it, man. Uh, what's, but, uh, what's your take on this? My take is, how many cups will Sid, because he's obviously not going to catch him in points, how many cups will Sid have to win to catch him in greatness, do you think? Well, team accomplishment-wise, if it's cups, like if you if you got some sort of sliding scale that says one Stanley Cup equals 150 career points, I mean, you tell me what you want to use, then he probably only needs one more. If he gets two, it's over the top. I mean, if he gets two more, then he's got five to Mario's two. If he gets one, he's doubled what Mario has done in terms of rings. And, you know, you can say you want to slide the scale the other way, that he had better players earlier in his career, so that morphs it. Uh, Okay. But I would think it's only one if I'm going to use, like, cup equals points, so to speak. What do you think? Yeah. I I just feel like, and you also made a point that, I mean, there were so many more goals scored in that generation of just hockey. and I mean, that's why she's never going to catch him in that. Just the, the open flow it was back in the day, and it's not like that now. And I mean, I think he's going to catch him. I, I, I mean, I think he's going to at least want, win two more cups. So I do think he's going to be better when it's all said and done. If he wins at least two more cups, well, you're assuming a lot. If he does, it's one. Uh, it, it's the it's the most important winning career since Gretzky, and maybe only two or three others in the conversation. Four one two. Three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. I guess we can go one more in here. Let's get Adam from Apollo in. Hi, Adam. Go ahead. You're on one hundred five nine. The X. Hey, Tim. I think that you could actually come up with a more accurate comparison between the two if you were to take the era that Mario played in and look league wide and come up with an average points per game. Let's say an, an average number of hat tricks over that era and use that as a divisor. I haven't done the math, but I think if you were to do that, and if you look at how long Sid's projected to play, I think he's going to pass Mario. Adam, the good folks of Apollo are known, if not for nothing more than their math skills. So if you do the math, and you want to bring that math to me, I will use whatever whatever equation you want to come to a final analysis, okay? All right. That math sounds too hard for me. If the fine folks of Apollo have the right slide rule or abacus, how many Desi Mitchisons does it take for Sidney Crosby to catch Mario Lemieux? Eh, maybe one. If Sid, if, if at the end of Sid's career he landed Desi Mitchison, I, I don't care how many more consmice he gets. We'll have the parade in Apollo itself. When we come back, um, if you're on hold, stay there. I'll get to more of this discussion about Sid and Mario. Uh, that is coming up in just a little bit, and I will get to those numbers that kind of undercut what, not kind of, totally undercut what Dan Rooney, excuse me, uh, Art Rooney II was selling as it relates to the Steelers and the state of their defense versus the rest of the National Football League. We'll get to that when we come back to Tim Benson for Mark.
Plus. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. You're like, what the hell? Hey, Mark. Hey, what? Super genius, big fan. It's Ringling Brothers time. <laughs> da, 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 the X at 105.9. Tim Benson for Mark. Lots of people want to talk about this Lemieux-Crosby debate that we've been having. Uh, if you're just tuning in, I put a poll question up. If uh, Crosby were to play until he was 36 and score his average number of points and goals, that would get him to about 1,500 uh, points and 600 goals. And uh, if he got himself another Conn Smythe, maybe two more Stanley Cups, maybe even just one more cup, would that be enough for you to say that Sid was more accomplished on ice than Mario, or is that just going to be heresy to say forever? Four one two three 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 W X D X. I also wanted to mix in some Steeler talk here too, and I wrote a column about Art Rooney the Second's comments surrounding the Steelers' defense, and it's amazing that I wrote it when I did last night because for whatever reason, I think it was on FXM, like their FXX, that movie The Other Woman was just running on a continuous loop, and I just kept watching it. So I could just see the scene over and over again when Kate Upton is running on the beach in her white bikini and in all of her powers. I mean, if we're talking about aesthetic greatness, now there is aesthetic greatness. And I kept getting distracted during this movie because if you haven't seen the movie, it's the premise is there's this guy, he's married to Leslie Mann, who's like hot mom hot. Like by hot mom standards, she's a hot mom. And then he messes around on her with Cameron Diaz. They find out they become friends. Diaz start, stops doing them. And then he uses Kate Upton as the other woman. Like he upgrades from there. And I'm thinking to myself watching this. And then they're like, of course, they, the three of them coalesce. They come together. They decide they hate him and they're going to work to undermine him. And at the end of the movie, he goes insane and they take all of his money. And, you know, he, he winds up broke and, you know, he loses. And they win together. And I think to myself... Has he really lost? I mean, Leslie Mann, Cameron Diaz, Kate Upton, and then there was some brunette by the end that he was messing around with too. That's like that was the Holy Trinity plus one. He's not a loser in my eyes. Like the, the whole grand finale is all right. So he loses six million dollars. I'd lose six million for those three. I'd lose six million for those two. And those two both belong to Kate Upton. But I'm writing this story about the Steelers' defense the whole time, and I was just fixated on the quote from Art Rooney that he had about the defense. Quote, we have made some investments that we feel still have upside ahead, so we need to add to it, obviously. He's talking about the team's defense. But by the looks of things in the playoffs, it's not easy to play defense in this league anymore. So it's something that we are trying to adjust to. There are a lot of great offenses out there that we have to be ready to match them, so it's always a challenge now. Exactly what is the boss saying there? That the Steelers could be better, but let's not make a big deal of it because his defense was a bit better compared to the other bad ones in the National Football League? I believe Mike Tomlin when he said the standard is the standard. He meant something higher level than that, though, didn't he? Like, does he mean the standard is the standard insofar as, well, the Steelers should be standard compared to the definition of acceptable versus the rest of the league? Because, frankly, that's not very good. Frankly, that's not where the Steelers should be publicly when they position themselves, and they don't. They position themselves at a much higher standard. So when Rooney said that, I'm not quite sure I understood what he was saying there. Because, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, yeah, just like the Steelers, they got ripped by Tom Brady and the Patriots. But you know what? They allowed 17 total points in the two NFC playoff games. New England allowed two second-half field goals to Jacksonville 
and one meaningful touchdown to Tennessee before they got to the Super Bowl and got ripped. The Super Bowl was high scoring. Let's not let that skew things. The championship participants were four of the five top-ranking defenses in terms of points allowed. The Chargers were the one outlier. Now, if you look at the Steelers, they were seventh, so that looks pretty good. But if you look at the Steelers in terms of their statistics overall, like, for instance, points allowed, run defense, pass defense, they're in the top ten in all of them. That's really good. Until you look at what happened over the last seven games that mattered, especially after Ryan Shazier went out. The last seven games to show where the defense ended as opposed to the length of the entire season, the defense that ended on the field, basically from the Bengals game on, they allowed defensively 25.8 points per game. That will be second last in the National Football League. So to just say that, well, everybody else is bad and we're bad too, that's not acceptable to be. And to just say, well, it was all about Shazier going out, well, you know what? The Patriots lost Dante Hightower after five games. And they still got the Super Bowl with their defense. So this whole thing of just because we're not good, compare us to the rest of the league and evaluate from there, well, there are still plenty that are better. And your standard, allegedly, is higher. 412-333-9939. We'll get Jason and Shaler in. Go ahead, Jason. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hi. Um, I have to go, Lemieux. I just think of the skill gap and errors between the first, you know, the best person in the league to the second, and the gap was just so huge between Mario and everybody else and the rest of the field. Um, just a greater gap. Um, and you think of the year. Well, I mean, Gretzky did play back then, too, you know. Yeah, you think of that year he had 199 points and they didn't even make the playoffs. And I also think of, um, you know, what would Mario have done in this era with, uh, without the two line pass being, you know, allowed, with the two line pass being allowed. Yeah, that's another part of the rules changes that come into play. That's one we haven't mentioned yet, but certainly that would be the case. Um, you know, I don't know how Mario would have handled uh, all the shot blocking. Uh, on the power play, I don't know how Mario would have handled the oversized goalie equipment that Sid has had to deal with. Uh, for every one concession you make on one side of the argument, you can make one on the other side as well. But, hey, no one's seen more of these guys than Mike Lang. We'll get his take, and we'll also talk about the Penguins specifically where they sit right now. That's coming up next. Tim Benson from Mark Madden. This is Phil Kessa of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden, the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Joining me right now as I fill in for Mark, Tim Benz with you on the X. It's legendary Hall of Fame broadcaster Mike Lang. You can hear Mike here on the X calling Penguins games. Mike joins me as I sit in for Mark, and he's brought to us by Coors Light. Stop the North Star Restaurant at the Tiki Hut in Imperial for 225 Coors Light drafts during all Penns games. Mike, great to talk to you again. How you been? I'm doing all right, Mr. Benz. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you have your uh, surf shirt on. Oh, yes, I do, for the Tiki Hut, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it's a, he probably has a wardrobe there of a bunch of hangers and everything that's in the place. So you just take a half of one. Well, you could do like, uh, you know, the, the margaritas, but with a Coors Light in it, right? That could work. Yeah. Uh, he's, got a, he's got an array of many things. So uh, nice to have him in the seat. I like it. Well, listen, Mike, uh, I wanted to get your feedback on something we've been talking about for the better part of an hour and a half here in light of Sidney Crosby getting goal number 400. Uh, if he were to hit his averages for the next six years and get into the Mario stratosphere when it comes to stats, he, he still wouldn't catch Mario statistically, error of the game and whatnot. But 
Would you ever allow yourself, as someone who's seen all this hockey from both of these great players, could you ever allow yourself to say that Sid might someday catch Mario in terms of pure on-ice accomplishments? Time is a beautiful thing, and we won't really know the answer to all that until uh, till he's all done and finished. Uh, certainly he's posted some big numbers uh, you know, in today's game, which is a, a hard thing to do, uh, what he's accomplished. But he's done it right from the very start, and uh, he's just continually... You know, amazed everybody really in his ability to to be the leader and be the guy that's uh, going to take you to the promised land. And he's done it not only with the Penguins, he's done it with Olympic gold. Uh, he's done it other places that he's been. Uh, there just seems to be an aura about him. But as far as replacing Lemieux, I don't know if you can replace your landlord. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's not an easy thing to do. Replace your landlord and your owner in his case. I think, Mike, what we have found when we've been going through many, many phone calls on this today is that uh, a lot of people are coming back to me with the feedback of, you know, you take the era difference and put that in favor of Sid because you got to slide the scale there. But aesthetically, there was more of a pageantry or a beauty to Mario's game that Sid could just never replicate. They're different players. I mean, let's let's face it, but with the same results, uh, you know, uh, uh, many people will talk about uh, Jean Beliveau being a graceful and a great player that he was uh, for years and years. And then you have just the opposite of people that that uh, pound the pavement and go to work and uh, and set numbers in place. I mean, Gordy Howe would be a great example of that. He would be an accomplished player both ways and uh, physical too. So there's a different type of player, but. They all excel at, at uh, you know, a lot of the uh, overall things in hockey, but they just seem to have a difference about them, and it's uh, it's unique and different, and it's what makes the difference between the stars, uh, the big-time players, and, and guys that play in this league. And I take nothing away from the guys that play. Trust me, anybody that can play in the NHL one game has, has accomplished something that uh, 99% of the people in the world never get a chance to do, uh, Tim. So... That gives you an idea of how good of players these guys really are. Uh, we we kind of, you know, look down and look at third and fourth line guys and, and everything. But uh, trust me, it's uh, they are so good uh, that it's amazing what they can uh, can do on skates and and do with what they uh, do with the game. Mike, last thing on this, and then we'll get to uh, you know Sid and the current pair, the Penguins in general here. But if you could, if you could kind of like swap Sid into Mario's era and vice versa, who would have? Who do you think would have handled the other's era better? Well, that's a, a good question. I, I think Joe Sakic. Uh, you know, I've always thought that Sid was more like Joe Sakic, uh, the type of player uh, that he was, uh, and a very you know good skater, really good skater, who scored goals. Uh, you know, led his team, and uh, so I, I, I'm not sure. You know, there's always similar players that uh, that have the same thing. I don't know if you can if you can cross over. Be honest with you, I just think that they're special people from each generation. And the thing is, that, you know, in this generation now, because the uh, the viewership and listenership and everything uh, that we have in the game of hockey, the age is lower now because uh, there's a new generation of players, and they want their identity too, and they're. They're going to be a little on the favorite side for the guys that are playing now, and, and rightly so. So, uh, you know, all of us, and we'll all look back on it. I mean, it's like saying, you know, Joe Lewis was a, uh, the world's greatest fighter ever, and everybody says, no way. I mean, Muhammad Ali was. And today's guy, uh, you don't know who is today. But, uh, you know, I think it's just it's just the way it moves, and, uh, you know, Babe Ruth from the start and what we have today. So it's it's unique and different to each generation, and, you put a stamp on it and it lives with you the rest of your life, and uh, 
then somebody else comes along. Mike Lang with us, play-by-play voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins here on 105.9 The X. Mike, again, joining us courtesy of Coors Light. Mike, so let's talk about the Penguins and where they sit right now. And uh, maybe a little bit more on Sid in the sense that he finally got 400, and then 401 comes right away in an empty netter. Now that he's gotten that monkey off his back, do we see 402 and 403 tomorrow against Ottawa, 404 and 405 against the Kings? Are the floodgates going to open for Sid here, do you think? Well, it certainly did. He, he hopes so. Uh, you know, he led the league last year. He was a Rock of Bichard winner, so, I mean, there's still some uh, some goals in that stick. He won't get rid of that one. He got two, even though it was the ENG, but... Uh, certainly, he's capable of scoring 15 goals the rest of the way, easy. Uh, you know, and, and, and the way he plays the game, uh, he hasn't had as uh, much luck here lately as he's had uh, in past years as far as filling the net, but uh, don't be surprised if he does. And, uh, you know, you've got such a balanced team here, really, right now, especially with uh, Evgeny Malkin playing as well as he is. And that's what's been kind of the critical, you know, part of the Penguins' success over the years is their strength down the middle. I mean, they've had the goaltending. They had it from Marc-Andre Fleury for years. Um, they continued it with Fleury and Murray last year, uh, they, and they're getting it again, I think. They're going to get it in the long run before it's all done. And those those things from that middle on down, uh, including Riley Shahan, who's uh, kind of taken over a role there to play, and uh, the Penguins will make do. They'll find either find somebody to play the fourth line, or they'll have some young kids that will I think that will come in and, and uh, put a stamp there, too. So they've got some pretty good things going for them going down the stretch run here. What about their depth on defense, Mike? I talked about this with Jonathan Bombouli a little bit earlier on. He spoke to the reemergence of uh, Ian Cole and how much that has helped in that regard. I agree with him, but um, we've seen it tested in the playoffs in years past, have we not? Oh, and there's no. to me, the Penguins are as, uh, are as blessed as anybody. I think they've got maybe among the best uh, depth as far as that's concerned. Within a price range, in which that's what you have to do, Tim. It isn't like you go out and buy guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's awfully difficult to put guys within a cap. And I think the Penguins have eight or nine defensemen that can play in the National Hockey League. So uh, they're way ahead of that curve, in my opinion. That's what makes them kind of strong uh, going to a playoff round. And the fact that they do have, and they've shown that uh, over the last two to three years, uh, just how much depth they have. They've had to use a lot of people, to use them in the regular season and use them in the playoffs when they get them up and give them a chance. And so we're not seeing anything any different here. We're seeing some young kids come up here uh, trying to establish themselves. And even if they don't stay the rest of the year, uh, if they are summoned in, in a critical emergency situation, uh, they're going to be ready to play. And uh, that's that's a strong point, I think, of what Jimmy Rutherford and this whole Penguin organization has done is they've built for depth. And, uh, and they've done a great job with it. Really, they have. The hot talking point is that the Penguins might be interested in Derek Broussard. He's a guy that's hurt the Penguins in the past wearing various uniforms. What's been your view of him as a player elsewhere, Mike? And if they were to acquire him, how do you think he'd fit in here? Well, I think that he's a a very gifted uh, player. I don't think he's what the Penguins would be looking for, uh, quite honestly. He's more of the offensive side player. I think they're looking more for a defensive guy who's good at face-offs, who uh, can can play that role. They, uh, if you go to Colin and Benino, you look at guys that read the game. They were primarily the defensive centers for the Penguins under Mike Sullivan. And I just don't see Broussard fitting in with Malkin and Crosby. Now, if one of those guys goes down, yeah, it's a different animal. But I, I, I me personally, I don't see that type of player being needed for the Penguins because then what are you going to do? You're going to cheat the ice time to to take it off and put Broussard in as a uh, as a fourth line center. 
or third line center, and I, I don't. I'm, I'm not quite. I'm not seeing that aspect of it. So uh, I think if you can get a player who can kill penalties, and that's a very important uh, uh, part of that position, I think, um, and give you a strong defensive play, and then chip in a a goal or two along the way. I think that's the type of player really you're looking for. The other side of that argument, I guess, Mike, would be then that he is offensively oriented enough that he could be a centerman that could com- uh, complement Phil Kessel and you could spread out the scoring that way like they did in 2016. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I mean, I- I'm not seeing it. I don't know with the, with the, with the numbers and, the, and dollars that are concerned what they would uh, run up against. Uh, uh, I, to me, it just doesn't make it. It doesn't fit for me. Uh, I, I I love him as an offensive player. I think he's really a good, and he's got great compete level. Uh, I could be all wrong. Jimmy Rutherford could think the world of him and think he'd be that guy. Uh, but just from what I've seen under Mike Sullivan's teams, what he's looking for is not that type of player, and it's not a, a knock on Derek Broussard, who has killed the Penguins. There's no question about that. Mike Lang with us here on 105.9 The X. Catch the games for our radio broadcast on Tuesday and on Thursday here on The X for the Pens against the Kings and the Senators. Okay, Mike, let's talk about Phil Kessel a little bit here because uh, I've been as impressed as I have with Phil pretty much, I would say, since that first playoff run, uh, the consistency with which he has played throughout the course of the season. That's not often a word that's thrown about when it comes to Phil, but uh, he has been a very consistent player this year. Yeah, he's been a consistent player, really, if you look at the numbers. Uh, for the last three years, all the time that he's been here, uh, particularly at one particularly important time of the year, playoff time. Right. And boy, that's where it measures. I mean, uh, if you can get the play that you get out of Kessel uh, at that time of the season when uh, you've you've logged in your 82 games and he does that every year too, and then to be you know head and shoulders above that, uh, it's imp- it's imperative that uh, other teams are are going to have to lock in and try and. And, and try and cover him too. So uh, he's a very talented player. Uh, he's uh, a great playmaker. Uh, he's a great skater. And this year, to me, he's been one of their better defensive players, uh, playing in pursuit of the puck continually, um, and has seems to seems to have more endurance and more uh, power. Uh, and that's hard to believe. He's a pretty good skater than he's had in the past years. He's he's come to play this season, and uh, he's showing the whole world that uh, it's not a fluke. Um, and maybe he's more comfortable. Maybe he's gotten comfortable here. There's not a lot of uh, pressure on him with Sid and Gino here and uh, and the others. Uh, he can just play his game, and when he plays his game and uh, and, and, and the way he wants to, uh, he's a tough guy to stop, and uh, he's, he's not one to talk much about it. I mean, he doesn't say a whole lot. Uh, his teammates love him, and that's a, a big positive sign, too. So he's had a banner year. Finally, Mike, you paying much attention to the Olympics? I have not, actually, at all. Not right now. Yeah, I'm with you. It's going to take a lot of selling for me to get my teeth sunk into this. You know, I think it's kind of a weird dichotomy, isn't it? Because it was such a great stage for the NHL to have its players on, but at the same, and it's a great stage for hockey to be on in general. But if the hope was to not shut down the NHL during this time, then I'm going to be inclined to watch the NHL, right? Yeah, and I think that's part of it. But, you know, in fairness to the, the, the kids at... Uh, that play this game, they should have the opportunity to play in the, Olympic, in the Olympics. I don't have any... Uh, I'm a believer in it. I want to see 1980 again. I want to see that type of... That type of... Uh, uh, you know, and look at the World Junior Championships. I mean, they're very, very competitive and very 
much in demand. And and I think the same thing is it can be there with the Olympics, and I think it will be uh, before it's all done in the hockey part of it. And there's something that warms your soul, but they're still going to put pros in there. Uh, they're just going to be the minor leaguers, so <laughs> they can't help themselves. Uh, you know, let the kids that are playing the game, that's what the young people of this country and around the world are competing. They're competing because they're young kids and they're amateurs. I mean, that's the beauty of the Olympics to me. Mike, it was great talking to you again. Love doing it. Um, glad we could do it here, and best of luck when we get back. Get you back upon the microphone for the games coming up. Talk to you yeah. soon, okay? All right. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. All Bye, right. That me. is uh, Mike Lang, play-by-play voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins here on 105.9 The X. Again, games tomorrow uh, with the Hockey Night Show in advance at 6 o'clock. I'll be at Buford's on Thursday before the Kings game, and I'll be with you tomorrow in advance of the Sens game as well. When we come back... Bob McLaughlin and I talk about, oh, on the topic of the Olympics, the pornographic ice skaters, the ice dancers from Canada. If you missed this, oh, we got to get it. Not only that, but we also get have to get into the former Pittsburgh Pirate who's a drug kingpin now. We'll do that when we come back. Tim Benz, Bob McLaughlin with you coming up next here on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. They're going to nail us no matter what we do, so we might as well have a good time. Toga, toga. The X at 105.9. Bob McLaughlin joining me, Tim Benz, right now as Mark is off today. Brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Bob, during the commercial break here, I just saw the highlights of that brawl between Toledo and Kansas City. What is that? Is that AHL or is that, what is that? I AHL? believe it's one down from the AHL. East, oh, okay. All right. Um, well, anyway, this fight, which started with three cross-checks to the back of a fallen player Bad along ones. the boards. Like yeah. brutal ones. We're not talking like just your regular everyday cross-check here. Full line brawl. I got to give credit. I think this is a Toledo local broadcast who busted out the multiple camera split to show the goalie portion of the fight and the rest of the fight at the same time. Yep. That's high-class direct in there, Wally. Well done. Uh, And the goalies cracked me up because, like, the one goalie got into it, the Kansas City goalie, and then the Toledo goalie's like, well, now I got to do something. So he skates the length of the ice. They decide to fight, and not only do they decide to fight, they decide when they're done. And they ripped the mask off. Oh, they ripped the mask off. That went out. It was a good goalie fight. He said, okay, if we're going to do this, let's at least make it fair. He rips his goalie mask off, which I don't know if it's a penalty down in that league also. Uh, I'm thinking it is. But they go at it, and they're throwing a couple of weak punches. Like, but then uh, they got into it. He, yeah, we, we kind of got to do this. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good, Ralph. Morning, Sam. And then one of the punches landed. <laughs> Forget it. Scripts out the window. And then they just stopped. They're yeah. Like, okay, we're done. I'm beat. You done? Yeah, I'm 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 tired. You tired? Did you see he skated right to the bench and sat down? (laughs) Like, well, I think the KC guy did that. The Toledo guy did, you know, the fire up the crowd thing, the WWE stuff. But that's one of the best line brawls I've seen in a long time. The crowd, I mean, come on, what is this, a, a Sunday afternoon in Toledo, Ohio? They had the time of their lives. Right. You've seen everything on Netflix already. Let's go to the game. Wow. That came out of nowhere. All right. So that's one end of the spectrum on well, ice. Also, real quick, there's some audio after that. One oh, of the we're players. Gonna, we're going to do that later, right? One of the players. He used to play for the other team. Yes. So he knows a bunch of the guys on the other team. He came out of the locker room afterwards and he said, look, this is all about the other coach sent those guys out there to hurt us. His we, former coach, right. who he knows who they used to play for. Because the their guys I know on the other team told me in some of the circles, like, hey, he sent us out here to fight you. You better get ready. This is going to get bad. You know, oh, really? Okay. And it did get bad. 
Uh, other end of the spectrum on the ice, the on-ice porn that we saw from the Canadian ice dancing team, as it was described Gold-worthy, online. though. They won the gold, right? They did win the gold, yes. Okay, you alerted me to this. I had not seen this. Uh, first of all, I don't think it was pornographic. That's because they toned it down. What you saw... No, is- I saw the World Championship one. It wasn't Abigail Mack and Romy Rain or anything like that. On skates? Well, I mean, if they could be on skates, then maybe. Well, but. let's just say, after they did that move in Vancouver, when asked for comment, uh, the guy's name is Scott Moore. He said, <laughs> You sound a his, little muffled. Yes, his face was somewhere where the mic... He the was can- muffled. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, the Canadian press will not even show the video. Oh, it's not that bad. They will show stills from it. The still is worse. Well, the wor- No, what's worse is the Twitter reaction from all the people freezing their butts off in Canada, all those lonely housewives with Valentine's Day who just went to see Fifty Shades yeah, of Freedom. Yeah, Fifty Shades of Gold. They watched the Pyongyang Olympics and came home and said, Honey! That's what the routine is being called now, Fifty Shades of Gold. Perfect. Because I, I, how can I describe this without sounding like a complete idiot when it comes to ice dancing? Then again, I'm a complete idiot when it comes to ice dancing, so I'm just going to say in my best possible description, he picks her up, he pirouettes, and while he pirouettes, she sort of... She spins. She spins. So and, that her parts... Yeah, her well, thighs turn into his earmuffs. Right. right. Yes. And stay there for until he... You know, but it's quick though. It's like a second and a half, and then she spins down the other way. She sort of corkscrews down the other way. The stills, yeah, look bad. The stills look like exactly what I'm describing. But there were other parts in the Vancouver ice dance. Oh, when they laid on is, top of each other, which is okay. tamed. Yeah, right. They took two moves out. Well, you what- didn't have a ball gagger get hit with a switch or anything. Well, that, that's for the next Olympics. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> Kim Jong-un. Bring out you, the gimp. If he had ordered that, it would have happened. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, look, it's Canada. They're all at Twitter about it up there. But, hey, they got the gold, so. And now everybody's looking at it, and everybody wants to watch the rest of the Olympics, whereas when it started over the weekend, not too many people were. Uh, a couple other things here, Bob. Uh, let's get to Esteban Loaiza, drug kingpin. <laughs> at any point during your time... In the locker rooms. Did you ever cover the Pirates in like 1998? Did you know Esteban Loaiza? Did you ever score any blow off of him or no? I refuse to answer the second part of that question, but I did have to take a microphone down there in like the early to mid-90s. And look. Did he talk really fast? Well, was he, he talked was really fast excited anyways. even when he lost? Yeah, there's, look, I, I don't know what goes on in a clubhouse, you know, down at the Pirates, but what he's doing now, that's an awful lot of weight. You know, to be moving. 44 pounds of cocaine and or heroin. And or heroin. They're not really sure because there was so much of it, they didn't get through it yet. Right, exactly. They're still trying to figure out the details. Here's one detail. He made $40 million in Major League Baseball. <laughs> Seed money. Okay, now, there are some things about Loise we have to remember here. Now, I, and I don't know exactly the sequence of events, but he had also married a... She's the Costa Rican or Mexican reality TV. reality TV show star. Yeah. yeah, And they got divorced. No, she got killed. Oh, I thought he got divorced and then she died. She got killed while they were in the process of getting a divorce. So I don't know if it ever in went an airplane through. in an airplane crash. Correct. And then he, after the crash, well, came he, out and said she was the love of my life and what a world we could have had together. Was this like an said, Escobar thing? Did he blow up the plane? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That'll come out, I guess, in Discovery. <laughs> Season four of Narcos. And you right. just see like the establishing shot of old Three River Stadium. You can right. just see it happening now. Funny right? thing is I only saw one report that had this, but Jose Lind was number one on his speed dial. 
No wonder he jumped over all those cars. Little known fact. So they pull him over in a car. Now, I've seen two different versions of this story, too. But the one I choose to believe is that they actually pulled him over in this car that had a quote-unquote elaborate secret compartment. Right. Added onto the car after he bought it. Right, with a hidden chamber which could only be released via electronic buttons. So, like, these pneumatic jacks, like, opened it up like a secret hiding place, which is where he... Wait, say that again? Like, there were shock absorbers or jacks that uh-huh. were built in. So, if you knocked on it, it was solid. It didn't sound like a hollow thing. So, it's sort of like, um, like one of those new... Uh, uh, like a suitcase that you get, where right? And then you push it down, right? You can sit on it and push it down. You sit, you you close it, and it is shut. Like it is shut until you push some hidden button, and it gives you the old, and it rises. And that's where he hit all of his coke. That's where it all was. Yeah. Oh, okay. And Kevin Polkovich. Right. <laughs> when we come back in the five o'clock hour, stick around. Just thirty seconds. We'll be back with you. Uh, I will reset the conversation about Sid and Mario that we were having. You'll hear some response from some of our guests that we've had so far today, and you're going to hear from Mark Madden in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll get into some more Steeler talk as well. I want to pursue that defensive angle somewhat. And most importantly, score one for the animals. If you didn't hear about the poacher who met an unfortunate demise, we'll have that story for you coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as well. Tim Benson for Mark Madden.